0: Hello, Um, my name is Rachel Moody, Um, I'm currently doing a worship internship here at P's and G's and uh, I'm going to begin by telling you a story about a time where I limited God in worship, imagine that. So, um, two years ago I embarked on a little missions trip to um, Hawaii, I know I slaved for the Lord, (laughs) Um, and when I was there um, I did a mission build which is a voluntary course um, where you... um, either bake, you either clean or you either cook for the students and the staff um, who are working there for six months. Um, So I went along, and uh, me and my other mission builder friend were told that we were um, allowed to sit in on lectures if any of them seemed appealing. Um, So I got to a few few weeks in, and uh, there was one that really um, stuck out to me, and it was hearing the voice of God. I know, I know, right? So I'm like, oh, I really want to hear the voice of God, so yeah, I'm going to sit in on that lecture. So, Swapped all my shifts in the kitchen, and on the Monday, um, I sat there really expectant with a little notebook and pen in my lap, and I was ready to hear the voice of God. Um, The uh, lecturer um, stood there, and he told us a few practical approaches to hearing the voice of God. Um, I had some things to write down, and then, disappointingly, by the Tuesday, he had an urge to speak about baptisms. So, that Thursday, um, we all got dunked in the back garden pool. So uh, we were supposed to have our night lecture on Thursday night and uh, our lecturer said like why don't we just have a night of celebration of the fact that we have, uh, a group of us here have given our lives to God. So let's do some worship. So uh, I'm expecting the big, the big stuff, right? I'm expecting banners that say welcome to the family, I'm expecting balloons, I'm expecting the, the big charade and I get there and they move the couches that was it. They moved the couches. And uh, we walk in and there's a guitar perched on the wall, not even on a guitar stand. Yeah. And uh, uh, Chase, our lecturer, comes in and he says, uh, let's pray together. So we all stand there and he prays. And his prayer says, Holy Spirit, come and fill us individually. Lord, give us a glimpse of your love for us. I was really confused. I thought God gave his love to us all the time. What on earth did it mean to have a glimpse of his love? So uh, Chase's friend continued to strum on his guitar, and uh, he wasn't using a plectrum, so it looked as painful as it sounded. Uh, Chase began to sing, um, and he started to sing the song Set Afire. So, uh, you know, we're standing there quite expectant. This is, one, this is a good tune, only two lines in the whole song. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, and turn around, and... Lo and behold, people are worshipping God. Hands are in the air and the people did not care. People are worshipping God with everything inside <clears throat> them. People were, were singing. There was harmonies dropping left, right and centre. But it changed. There was a sudden atmospheric change and people were begging God to come into the room. They were screaming the words, I want more of you, God, and begging the words, set a fire down in my soul. I was swept away. I had a very deep call to worship at this point in my life. Um, And it was insane. You could say this was my scene. But what completely blew me away is that this wasn't even the glimpse yet. So soon after, it was as if God pushed a big Holy Spirit button, and it rained. There are people who were smiling moments before, weeping. People who were laughing moments before, were howling. I was really scared, so I prayed. I said, God, I have no idea what you're doing right now, and I'm really scared, but show me. Show me who, who you are and what you're doing, and I listened for the first time, and God said, this is out of goodness. This is me, and I love you. That is what God had said to other people in that room, and this was their physical response to that, Now, I wish that my physical response was laughing, I wish that it was crying, but no, I felt like I was going to be sick. So I'm standing there, and it's coming, and I'm ready for it, and then I open my eyes, and luckily I did, because there's a guy who's slayed in front of me, and if I was sick, I would have been sick on his face. (laughs) I wasn't sick, and now we're really good friends, and it's all good. But that was the glimpse, the glimpse that I had never, ever expected. I had set an expectation as soon as I walked into that room. I said, I don't know this, so it's going to be rubbish. But what I didn't know is how much more God had to give. So this brings us to our passage. As Grant explained, uh, Jesus arrived and the people go wild. These people had seen him perform miracles. Some of them had been healed by him. And they were first-hand witnesses to the breathtaking power and love of Jesus Christ. So they set before him a red carpet with their cloaks, they laid them all out. And uh, these people, these people don't really have more than one cloak. You know, they don't have like fifty percent off sales in, you know, big coat stores or anything like that. They had one cloak and they laid that down in the dust to disappear because they wanted to praise God. Verse thirty-eight tells us that they worship by saying, "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest." Similarly to my experience in Hawaii, I imagine they were probably screaming these words. Desperately doing everything in their power to let these words transform their lives in that moment. He really was the king who'd come save them. He was the king who was riding into Jerusalem to free the oppressed, to push out the Romans and fulfill their human needs. These people are probably thinking, he has come to fix my wee food cart. This thing hasn't been running for weeks. He is here, he is the king, and he is the saviour. But... This was probably the most profound worship time so far, but there was a catch. In verse 41, it tells us that Jesus wept. He saw the city, he saw the worship, and he wept. Why would he weep? How could he possibly be sad on a day like this? These people are are leaving their belongings for him and screaming his name, and he's crying. The song, um, Man of Sorrows, this one that we sing here quite regularly, has a lyric in it that just punches me in the gut every single time I hear it. It says, And he reconciled the very ones who nailed him to that tree. He reconciled the very ones that nailed him to that tree. This verse in the song is talking about Jesus dying and uh, rescuing the people who physically put him on the cross. He loves them even though they did that. Mm and he's come to save them. This is the, this is the thing, was we nail him to the tree. I, I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you've, you've said, actually, do you know what, God, I'm going to do this on my own now. Um, you're not all that you cracked up to be, so I'm off. We're nailing him to the tree, obviously not physically, but we're doing that. We're saying no. We're limiting him. Similarly in Jerusalem, three days later, the same people who were, or who were screaming these words to him would three days later be screaming, crucify him. This is why Jesus weeps. He doesn't weep um, because he's angry at them. He doesn't weep to say, I told you so. He weeps because he's so sad, because he's so in love with these people. And he knows that they, they don't understand the glimpse yet. He doesn't disregard their worship when he weeps. He doesn't say your worship is now invalid. No that still brings him lots of joy but he knows that these moments of worship don't eliminate doubt from our lives. We still feel doubt, we still feel um, an understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus isn't an idiot and he knows that. He knows that we're human beings with wild tempers and mood swings. He knows that sometimes we'll throw a hissy and say I don't want anything to do with you anymore. But the beautiful part of this passage is it says that he still weeps. He's sad about that. He wants us to have more of him. He wants us to know more of him in a deep way. He weeps because he loves us. This is the same God today who weeps over the um, situation in Egypt that happened today. This is the same God that weeps over Syria. This is the same God who who weeps over the separation that politics has caused in so many parts of our world today. The same God who weeps when he sees small children facing famine and disease. And he's the same God who weeps when we turn our back and say no thanks. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus wants to show us all of him. So Jesus enters Jerusalem not just to fulfill these people's human needs and their desires, but to show these people more than just a glimpse of his love for them. Isn't it remarkable that Jesus physically healing and teaching people in such a profound way that they physically leave their belongings, their families, that has such an impact on these people, and that is only a glimpse of his love for us. This week coming up is going to explain um, the, the importance of Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem. He loves it and finds great joy when we come to him in loud songs and uh, different uh, ways of worship, whether that be art, dancing, playing football, um, however you like to worship God. Um, he finds great joy in that. He really does. But he knows and wants to tell you that there is so much more than that, than those moments that we have with him. And that is what this week is going to show us. This week's going to show us that God says we're in this together. And that this, this week's going to enable a grace that, that says that there's so much more for you if you pursue a relationship with me as your father, as your spirit, and as your saviour.